Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how to comfort the shaken. So I thought about this, um, Deb, in terms of how we oftentimes will talk about how God comforts us during the times that we're anxious or during the times we're unsettled, during times of conflict or trauma. And that is such a beautiful thing. But oftentimes I I have noticed and I have observed that we have a difficult time as a community comforting one another. Mm. And what I mean by that is um, we tend to comfort one another or the uh, we attempt to comfort one another based on our comfort level. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. hundred <laughs> percent. Like how comfortable we are in the moment that the person needs comforting. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's going to drive the type of questions we ask. That's going to drive the type of questions that we don't ask or what we do say or what we don't say, or if we are projecting our own insecurities onto that person, or we're projecting on how we believe God speaks to us onto other individuals. Right. Mm -hmm. So I thought about this because I have, um, I was at a church um, years ago and I remember the church being a very, a wonderful church. It had, you know, all the the staples of great music, great preaching. Um, But as I continue to grow in my faith, And when I, you know, we talked about this before, when I started unpeeling my layers and really looking into places that I needed God to heal me and being open, that then allowed me to reach out to other people. But then that opened me up to other people's, you know, perception, peering into your life a little bit, a little bit and how they chose to respond to my opening up. Okay. Yep. And one of the ways that individuals and during that time would open up to me would be through condemnation. Mm. Right. Would be, you know, I talk about Job's friends. I knew we were going to Job. <laughs> I knew it. I was going to say, you're going to talk about Job, aren't you? I'm going to talk about Job. Right. Such and, and, you know, Job was wrestling with God and he couldn't understand why God was allowing all this travesty to happen to his family, his livelihood, his health and his three friends. You know, we got to love the friends. Bless their hearts. (laughs) One of the things that they did well was actually attend to him, right? Because they understood that he was hurting. They showed up. They showed up. Absolutely. They listened. But the, the, the part that I will criticize is how they then attributed what was happening to Job with his lack of faith or his lack of um, or uh, what he has done that caused God to treat him in such a manner. They tend, they seem to uh, attribute that to part of his identity and who he is and what he hasn't done for God and how he is not, um, you know, his, 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 like I said, his lack of faith. Right. Totally. And so for me, we often we often find ourselves in positions where we we encounter a lot of Job's friends, right? Yep. And, and and we may be a Job friend. <laughs> I've right? probably been a Job. We friend. have to, yeah. I probably have as well. Actually, I know I have. And so, um, what that means is, for example, I would maybe open up about my mental health, and you know, maybe it's 
something such as I feel sad, not even to the extent of depressed. And what we learned in this particular church is to say that that ain't God. That's that's the devil. Don't let the devil treat you that way and don't listen to the devil. Absolutely not. Right. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. itself, that's truth. Mm-hmm. However, there was this there's this implication that it's something that I have done to have warranted this sadness. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Without the consideration of what God is doing. Yeah. So essentially what we're talking about today is we 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 talk a lot with our listeners about how they're navigating mental health challenges or what they might be walking through in terms of even what we've walked through. But today we're specifically talking to those of you, those of us that are ministering to others in their seasons of being shaken. Mm-hmm. And I think what we get from Job is what we do. Mm-hmm. So how we show up, what we do, mm-hmm. where we get it wrong mm-hmm. and how we can recorrect. Absolutely. Absolutely. How we can actually be effective comforters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And I believe that a lot of the ways that we have learned to comfort is the way that we've been comforted by others. Yeah. Right. So if you have been comforted and it's been more of a uh, from a disciplinarian perspective or standpoint, then you will probably comfort that same way. Yep. The problem with that is it is then it becomes condemnation. And uh, many individuals such as myself, and I've seen this professionally as well, we will internalize that and then we will attribute that to our identity. Right. And so it is not that I'm just sad. It becomes I'm sad, but I am bad for feeling sad. Mm. Right. So there is this this, you know, secondary disturbance where I'm already sad. I'm already feeling a specific way, but I feel guilty about feeling sad. Right. And then. Because I feel guilty, I feel guilty about being sad because then I think that I'm not a good Christian because I feel sad. (laughs) Right. Yep. So it's this cycle of um, attributing how we experience our emotions to who we are and our lack of faith in some cases. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is not the way that I believe is effective and to draw people closer to, to God. Totally. Yeah. We we usually I feel like get it. Well, maybe we don't usually, but a lot of times we get it right in the beginning. Like you said, Job's friends showed up. Mm -hmm. They were present. I think Mm -hmm. the ministry of presence is a very real thing. I've probably shared this story on the podcast before, but I have a friend who was going through a really difficult season a number of years ago, was struggling to get out of bed in the morning, was struggling to leave the house, just do, you know, the everyday things that we all have to do, go to work, Mm -hmm. um, get groceries, make food. And we have a mutual friend who in that season had a lot of free time. And so what she did was she literally showed up on the doorstep of our friend's house with a banana Mm -hmm. and a bottle of water and said, we're going for a walk. She was present. And Mm -hmm. that is the first step in coming alongside people in their season of being shaken. And we see that with Joe's friends. But then you, like you said, yeah. There's a shift and out of potentially their own comfort, what they were comfortable with Mm -hmm. um, as Job starts to speak up and he begins to share what's going on. Mm -hmm. Things don't take a great turn. (laughs) Right. And and in our lives, you know, uh, and, and Deb said earlier, 
we're all subject to be Job's friends, right? Because again, we function out of our own schema, right? Yeah. And so we talk about schema. It's pretty much a lens that is um, made up of our experiences, our uh, environment, our trauma, everything that we've gone through at life, it has shaped the way that we look at the world. How we interpret it. And yeah. how we interpret it, right? It is it is literally our lens. And so when we see maybe someone who is struggling with mental health, for example, we have been taught, we have been modeled, we have been told by important others how we are to see mental health. And Without thought, oftentimes unconsciously, we then will project that onto other people or we will use those same strategies that we learn or that we observed for someone else. And the problem with that is the great thing about that is, again, I want to reiterate that you show up, you um, empathize just like Job's friends. They empathized with him. But we we tend to assume that is the correct way to handle every person, regardless of the situation, regardless of how they respond, regardless of how they actually what they're actually struggling with. Right. And, you know, you know, from as, as a mother, if I use this, if I use this as, as an example, I have one daughter, but I would wager to guess that if. I had multiple kids, they would have multiple, they would have different personalities. Probably. Yeah, probably. Fair, fair <laughs> right. assumption. Fair assumption. And that would mean that although I have a foundational um, idea of how I want to approach uh, uh, rearing, rearing my, my children, uh, child rearing, I still would have to approach them as unique individuals with their unique situation when they are going through different uh, stages of life. Right. That's no different when we are actually talking to our friends or when we are talking to loved ones when they are going through something. Right. Yes, there are some just as when we see how Jesus walked the earth, he addressed different people based on different situations. Yeah. Right. He was very empathic to Mary at the well. Right. Where everyone was just like, no, she's a prostitute. She's this. She's that. Um, he Jacquees, he, he was like, come off, come down from that tree. I'm going to your house. Right. And then there are some he's like, OK. And I, I've spoken this before where we are not doing that. <laughs> we're not cutting off ears up in this piece. Right. And then there are times where he's like, yeah, we're going to we're going to turn over some tables. Right. Yeah. So he approached situations differently based on what it called for at that moment. And I think that's what we need to look at in terms of and mimic that when we look at how we actually engage with other individuals that are going through things or their situations in life. Yeah. We have to be aware of the circumstances and the context, the context of what's yes. happening. Um, I find it interesting. You know, I think uh, going back to Job, I, I, there's such a great picture of what we sometimes struggle with. And I will say probably as a new therapist, I might have doled out this advice when I also thought that therapy was giving advice, which it's really not. And that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But um, I'm sure I actually said this to clients. But if you look at how his friends responded, Mm -hmm. right, and I was pulling up Joe while you were chatting. Mm -hmm. Eliphaz is his his first friend to respond after Mm -hmm. Job shares all of his pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. He does something that I think a lot of us in our best of intentions say to others as a way of motivating and encouraging them Mm -hmm. when it actually comes across as as pretty dismissive, but he basically talks about all the things that Job has done well, mm-hmm. right? You have instructed many, you've strengthened feeble hands. Your words mm-hmm. have supported those who've stumbled. You've strengthened faltering knees. And now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. Mm-hmm. It strikes you and you're dismayed. Should you not, or should not your piety be your confidence in your blameless ways, your hope? And, you know, it continues to go on. And I think what, what 
Eliphaz is intending to do here is saying, look, you encouraged all these people. Mm-hmm. Don't you think you're also strong and can handle this? Right. Oh. And, oh, that can go in so many different directions, right? Because here's the thing. The intention is good. It's well-intended, right? It's not something that is from, uh, not from a well-intended place, right? And again, them sitting with them, empathizing. Um, But one of the things that Job, you know, that God rebukes, Eliphaz is like, I did not say that you, you know, let me make sure you come up on that on your own. Yes. You, um, he said, yeah, you came up that, that on your own. He, God clearly condemned their advice. It says, I am angry with you, Eliphaz, and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me. Right. And so oftentimes we interpret God's word and what he's saying, because that's our interpretation. Right. And we're doing it. We're trying to do it out of the heart of helping, but we do it as a default because we haven't stopped and understood what God is doing at that moment. Yes. Right. And oftentimes we don't stop and see what God is doing at that moment because we don't do that in our own lives. And I say we I, I've done that, too, especially when I was a new Christian and when I practiced as well, when I uh, started practicing as well, where. I would just say things because as a Christian, this is what you're supposed to say. Right. Right. This, yeah. this, this, this sounds good. Right. And um, one thing that I always uh, talk to my students about is when we're talking about how we engage the shaken. W- one thing that I love about Jesus is that he did not always use words. His disposition spoke of how we are to engage. And I go to first Kings 19, I believe four through eight. And that is the whole, you know, when, when um, Elijah was distraught and discouraged because the threats um, from Jezebel. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he went under the tree and said, I just want to die. Like I cannot handle this. I want to die. And an angel came and gave him bread and water. Right. Didn't say anything, but comforted him with bread and water. Yeah. And that to me is one of the ways that we can comfort individuals. And that goes to what you said about the banana and water. Yeah. That patties, mm-hmm. right? Rather than feeling pressed to have to use words, what, um, and you might have to remind me who said this, but um, who is the individual who said, um, preach the gospel at all times, but when necessary, use words? I think some people have attributed that to D.L. Moody, but I'm not quite sure if that's right. I don't think that's him. But that is... That is the, uh, that is the actual, I love that term, right? I love yeah. that, that St. Francis, was it St. Francis? Uh, see, see, maybe. Maybe, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so. Somebody said it, somebody <laughs> wise. Somebody wise said it, right? Mm-hmm. And it is just so beautiful because we've seen that same behavior and disposition in the life of Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. Where he comforted and he didn't always use words. And oftentimes you know, words are destructive, right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yes, <laughs> right? they are. Right? Proverbs. And so it is very important that when we approach helping the shaken and when they're going through something that we check in. So this is something you talked about before. And we are reflective on how God wants us to engage with that person. Yes. Yes. Right. And I think sometimes when we try to tell people, you're strong. You can handle this. It's not what they necessarily want to hear in that no. moment, right? Like you said, the tangible presence showing up with things that bring nourishment and care, um, but pausing to consider the context of the situation and more importantly, 
God's prompting in our lives and how to step in and care for this person is so important. Here's, mm-hmm. here's another way. I think, again, we see this in the example of Job's friends where we, we can get it wrong is the next friend, Bildad. Mm-hmm. He comes in and he starts talking about, and I think this is like, I, I just cringe. You know, when you see a situation playing out and you're like, <laughs> no, it's like secondhand embarrassment. No, oh, yes. Yeah. And he's like, Job, your 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 sons died mm-hmm. and they were killed for their sins. Mm-hmm. And so he basically, I think, is trying to say in a in a roundabout, awful way, like, uh, you're still alive. Right. So but- obviously you haven't sinned that bad, yeah. or you know, that God brings destruction upon those that have sinned. Mm. And so write write yourself with the Lord. And it's kind of like it's almost to me the modern day equivalent of when you express anxiety or fear or depression and somebody says to you, well, what's your relationship with God like? And I think that goes back to that specific statement you made earlier of it makes the implication that it's something I did wrong. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and the thing about it, and expressing emotions about a circumstance is 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 incorrect. Yeah. And we have seen throughout the Bible where Jesus expresses a multitude of emotions, right? B- anger, bitterness, joy, all a multitude. And but we tend to say, okay, if you're experiencing an emotion that is not acceptable or comfortable for me, right? Even though it's not conscious, yep. Then you must have done something wrong. Yeah. That as if we are not allowed to grieve, right? He, God is, he is the comforter, right? And so why is it that we cannot experience grief or experience loss as humans do, as Jesus did, and then be able to go to the comforter, right? Yeah. It feels as if there is this fear, maybe again, it may be unconscious or this lack of awareness that we have where we cannot handle um, raw emotions that are absolutely given to us by God. Because remember, we talked about this before, is that emotions are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They, are te- they are there to sign- signal to us something, right? And I love that they're there. Yep. Now, again, it can go into pathology and so forth if it is there uh, and it is not addressed and the, situa- the situation is not addressed. It's kind of like saying, okay, you know, in our fight or flight center in the amygdala, you see a bear and then you don't address that in that moment. And then you continuously are scared of bears, but you don't address what's going on. You see a dog and you think it's a bear, but you never address what's going on. You're going to continue and have these issues and may turn into um, bigger mental health issues. But if you address at that moment and whatever strategies that you have, then all of the, you know, somatics, all of the um, physiological symptoms will alleviate. Right. Because your brain says, OK, this is not a threat anymore. Yeah. Right. But what we tend to do is because we are afraid of emotions and that we're afraid of having these alerts and these alarms to tell us there's danger here. You need to pay attention to that. We tend to ignore them, which prolongs our suffering, our suffering. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so I think sometimes when going back to when we address our friends, um, we can actually be a conspirator in their suffering. Totally. Well, and I think there's this element, too, of like. I think we 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 feel like we have to have an answer for everything. Yes. Right? So I've got to tell you 
why you're suffering in order to come alongside and help you alleviate your suffering. Why and, do you think people do that, though? Why is that? Well, I, you know, it's it's almost like I read this somewhere. So, you know, we, we have that saying, I can't stand this saying, to be completely honest. I'm going to show my emotion there. Mm. Um, love the sinner, hate the sin. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I don't like that. Eliminate mm. that from your vocabulary. <laughs> And I read somewhere, I thought this was so great. Somebody said, I don't I, I hate my sin enough. I don't need other people hating it for me, yes. you know? And I think that is this, this sort of like, okay, this is an answer for, for how I can be in community with people mm-hmm. or how I can, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we have to have this, this answer to things because it, it all goes back to the comfort piece. If mm-hmm. we don't have an answer for someone else, it potentially means we don't have an answer for ourselves. Mm. And, you know, our brains are wired to seek clarity and knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's no coincidence that the first sin that we know of was a desire to know. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, and yeah. so when we don't have an answer for somebody else, we try to come up with an answer and that can do a lot more damage than good. Absolutely. Oh, that's powerful, though, because that is the first sin, a desire to know. And I the 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 thing to kind of I want to unravel this a little bit. I don't the desire to know in itself isn't bad. Mm-mm. Right. In itself. But it is what how we will respond to that and how do we what do we what approaches do we take to get that knowledge yeah and where are we going to get that knowledge yes. you know i think i think we have to start with scripture but we have to understand the context and the totality of scripture mm-hmm. i was just sharing with somebody the other day they were, we were talking about medication mm-hmm. and they were really wrestling with whether or not medication would be helpful for what they're struggling with in terms of their mental health and wellness and mm-hmm. you know they they were kind of struggling with that perspective of if i have to take medication i'm not trusting god enough or what mm-hmm. if medication changes my personality all these kind of typical questions and mm-hmm. um and you know i i there are points in scripture when that when there's a need of a physician like the the scriptures talk about and give examples of physicians healing and I think that kind of comes back to that piece of you know we need to go to the word of God first for clarity but recognize that God also provides other pathways for our understanding and knowledge but we have to test it all through scripture and and here's the thing I always think about that Deb and I think about it in the way of if if I just think that God provides only one avenue that reflects on the way that I of that I think that the way that I think about God that he's finite and limited and limited yeah which is not true right right what he which he has given us so many instances personally through his son of all of his vast um ways of connecting with us of healing yeah I think we also in, in today's world sometimes have this assumption that it's not relevant to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's if you read scripture, everything is relevant. Yeah. You will find the truth in there. And I'm not talking about in the way that we sometimes go into scripture and we try to find something that applies to us and we take things right. out of context. Right. I think this is really a good argument for why we need to be so disciplined in reading scripture mm-hmm 
on a regular basis. So we aren't just diving into it when we quote unquote need it to solve a problem because Mm -hmm. then we're too quick to pull things out of context. But I think we we always find the truth there. I mean, this Mm. is case in point. Let's go to the the last friend, Zophar, you know, who comes to Job. And again, in ways in which I think we've all mistakenly modeled before Mm -hmm. he starts kind of going after Job, Mm -hmm. like, what are you, what are you thinking? Can you actually believe that you're going to understand the mysteries of God or that you can probe the limits of the almighty? Mm -hmm. They're higher than the heavens above. What can you do? And so I think basically what he's saying is, um, you kind of just have to radically accept your circumstances and maybe Mm -hmm. you're not going to have an answer. So stop questioning. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. Those could, though, the, the way that all three of his friends approached it, they're in certain contexts. Sure. Yeah. That might be needed. Right. Um, maybe it needs to be said a different way. Maybe it needs to be said that straightforward. But the crux of what I think the issue is, is that it's all a thing of not representing what God says in that moment. And it seems as if it based on how I read the scripture that it's out of their own desire to try to interpret what God said. And it, they, they, it was erroneous. Right. Yep. And that's what the key is. Yeah. Right. Because I do believe in all of the different ways that God has allowed us to be able to be used by him. There are ways where sometimes you have to just be straight up and say, this is this, but there's, there's so many different ways. And I think because there, there's, there's a generational piece that I just bear with me. There's a generational piece that I think that we have to consider. And there is a shift in our, in our culture that we have to consider as to how we actually approach, how we look, uh, speak to other Christians. Right. So I think some of the shift is from, from maybe older individuals oftentimes is that this generation or generations after me, they are going wild and we are allowing way too much to happen. Therefore, we just need to shut it down and say, this is God. We're not going to be empathic. We are just going to majorly say this and this is the way it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So it's a response out of a social shift as opposed to considering how God wants us to work with individuals and engage with individuals intentionally in in a way that actually is more pleasing to him. Right. So I think there's a social shift where we're responding to society and then we respond to each other like that. And that's when you get Job's friends and maybe, you know, the last friend is like, listen, okay, this is just how it is. You know, this is what you need to do. And you can't use that with a, you can't paint that, you can use that with a broad brush, right? Yeah. And so, so I think there is this response to society and how a lot of Christians, rightly so, do not feel like the uh, people are actually as, um, you know, it's not, it's not a godly world. And so we respond in a way that can be very condemning, right? Yeah. When in reality, as mental health workers, we know that can be very detrimental to individuals, right? Now, I'm not proposing that you go the complete opposite direction as well. So this is not a dichotomous or, you know, we don't have to swing the other end of the pendulum, but that's what we do in our society, right? When we don't like something, we swing to the other end and eventually we're hoping that it comes somewhere in the middle. And I don't want to swing to the other side and say, okay, and then we have to make sure that we're fuzzy wuzzy and we allow everything and, and, you know, and, and, and feel as though there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm proposing. No, but I am proposing that there is a whole continuum of ways that God is able to use us to be able to relate to individuals in the way that they need it at that moment. Yes. And I think that's, 
a beautiful way of summing up our conversation today is it's, it's being present, mm-hmm. right? Practicing the power of presence. That's huge yes. showing up, but then taking it a step further and saying, what is the context here? Yeah. What is going on? What is assessing the need, mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to really understand? I don't know that we have a really great practice and discipline of listening in our world. No, ma'am. We often listen to respond mm-hmm. if we're listening at all, mm-hmm. but really listen to understand and ask questions. Mm-hmm. What do you need from me right mm-hmm. now? What are you feeling right now? What mm-hmm. are some of the ways in which I can comfort you right now? Yeah. And maybe the answer is, I don't know. Yes. Or I don't think there is a way. Okay. We're it's just okay. going to sit here. And that I want to, I want to interject. So that's the, that's the piece that we have to look at that. Okay. I don't want, that's not a small thing you just said. That okay, that humility of saying, okay, the best thing that you can do for me right now, if I said, Deb, the best thing you can do for me right now is not say a thing. We have to be okay with that. Yeah, I need to say, okay. Okay. Or guess what? Another phrase that we can use when we don't know how to help someone is to say, I don't know how to help you. Yep. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) Right? It's not rocket science. Right. We can say, I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes that can, that in itself is healing yeah. rather than coming up with empty responses because you feel like you have to say something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I think finally we have to be patient, mm-hmm. you know, grief. I've grieved. Mm-hmm. I've lost. Mm-hmm. I know you have grieved mm-hmm. and you've lost significant things in our lives. Mm-hmm. And Grief is not something, pain is not something, depression is not something that just goes away like that. Right. It takes time. Yes. And in fact, we could argue easily, it doesn't ever permanently go away. Right. And so when we come alongside those who are in a season of being shaken, to assume it's just going to be a quick process of, okay, I'm going to step into your life. I'm going to check in and see how you're doing. I'm going to offer you some words of wisdom and then you're going to be fine mm-hmm. is really misguided. It's thinking. misguided. And if you don't do those things that I propose, that means that you're really not that close with God as you think you are. You did something wrong. Yeah. That's, that's problematic. It really is. And mm-hmm. so I think we need to make, I mean, I believe this is the essence of true community is mm-hmm. we need to make a commitment to be in it for the long haul. Yeah to be present, to be a part of sitting with people in their seasons of suffering Mm -hmm. as long as it's going to take. Yeah. And open up yourself to give God the space to move around the way he wants to move around. Yeah. And your life. So you could be used as a vessel in their life. Right. So good. Yeah. This was a really inspiring episode for me. Yes. How to comfort the shaken. Yeah. It's from, it's from a personal standpoint as well as a professional. And I think, we would do well in, in understanding what that looks like. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, hopefully you found this inspiring too. And we would love for you to uh, listen to more of our episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast on any of the places where you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Moody app, pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And if you've enjoyed today's episode or any other episode, let us know. We want to hear from you. You can leave a review on any of those places and check us out on our website, becomingwellpodcast.org and on social media. 